0: Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. Here at SDI, we have an initiative that brings emerging spiritual companions in the first half of life to our community, helping us weave a web of intergenerational wisdom and practice which we call the New Contemplatives. These New Contemplatives enrich the SDI community with new forms and paradigms of spiritual care bringing their voices to the center of the organization in the broader field of spiritual companionship. In this episode, our New Contemplatives Coordinator, Lizzie Salsick, talks with one of the 2021 New Contemplatives, Sunyata Kopriva. Sunyata talks about their spiritual journey and practice of spiritual companionship.
1: I'd like to ask you to begin by introducing yourself to our listeners and sharing a little bit about your spiritual context that you practice inside of, that you be inside of, and also your work.
2: Well, I'm Sunyata Kopriva. I'm a um, registered yoga teacher and licensed psychotherapist. I work within the field of trauma, studies. Um, I work with folks who have experienced various forms of trauma. Um, I particularly work with children, adolescents, and young adults. Um, I do individual therapy, couples therapy, family therapy, and group therapy, as well as hold special retreats and workshops for clients and um, other sorts of, of healers so that they can better serve their communities. Mm -hmm. And I I have a particular passion for um, doing work that is culturally congruent. Um, So this means that I look at not only what work are we um, as healers doing for our clients, but are we actually heeding our own advice? And are we actually heeding the, the resources that um, we feel are very powerful for transformation and goodness and change for our clients, do we actually internalize those ourselves? Um, and I think this is, I start off with, with that um, introduction for myself because I think it gives a practical context for um, what can be a very impractical um, sense of Vajrayana Buddhism, which is my my spiritual shell, my spiritual seed, my spiritual home. Um, I came to um, meet Vajrayana again uh, in my late teens after a, a childhood experience of Christianity and specifically Catholicism so i had very sort of rich spiritual experiences as a young kid i felt like i could only get so far in understanding the the mystical energetic experiences that i was having um within the church and specifically with my um with the priests that were at my my family church so because I kind of I hit a wall in understanding what was happening with me through the, the priest's lens and the, the church's lens, I, I had to take that understanding back to myself. I had to take the experiences back to myself and really explore um, kind of through my own ignorance what was happening um, and find some sort of grounding and um, context for it. So it's, it's, I know it's very vague in terms of like just spiritual experience as a child, but um, I actually don't think the, the context matters much. Um, I just think it's important to know that, that it's sort of a very strong sense that there is a world beyond what we can see and touch and smell. Um, and so as I, as I continue to try and um, I think find grounding spiritually for you know very strong um, the very strong spirit that that I am. Um, I actually started to experience psychological decline, um, and through there's a lot of sort of family upheaval at that time. Um, and in trying to like because I didn't have a home that I could understand um, a spiritual home that I can understand what was happening and spiritually means that I also couldn't wrap my head around really, you know, and have support the way that I needed it to understand what was happening in my family. Um, and therefore in me on all these multiple levels. And so I didn't question when it was time to, um, take the refuge in the Bodhisattva vows. I, I, in fact felt like it was, um, kind of, you know, officially overdue. Um, but then my my heart had already taken it. I had already arrived home.
1: I want to talk a little more specifically now about your about your ther- therapy practice and also um, the work of spiritual companionship and and spiritual direction um, you know it 's expressed in various ways within sDI and just in in the world and in the work itself. but I wonder if you could. Say a little bit more as a therapist, what was it like for you to start seeing um, a spiritual director outside of a therapeutic relationship or a psychotherapeutic relationship? And how does that then show up in your practice? And where do you see the intersections of psychotherapy and spiritual companionship? Can you speak a little
2: bit? Absolutely. Um, it feels kind of old school and also revolutionary to speak of um, psychotherapy and spirituality together. Um, You know, I think in, in old school healing terms, psycho, social, emotional healing, um, they're not separate at all, but they've been separated. And so in, in Western psychotherapy training. And so I feel like I developed really great, Inquiry skills um, assessment skills technical understanding of of mental health and and the psychosocial world, but I always felt like there was something lacking. And so when I started to When I when I started to really get into the depths of um, What is trauma. What's traumatic for people. How does trauma um, reverberate throughout people and families and communities and then what do people do in response when they're traumatized um when i started to get to the depths of it i found a real hole i found a hole in what was needed to heal it's in it's in being able to recognize that that inseparability from source or god or the divine or Mm -hmm. something other than this, this really wounded planet. And I couldn't, I couldn't help folks settle into that hole and explore that hole um, without a spiritual lens, obviously. And so even with very young children that I worked with, um, I started to, find various ways of talking about the divine and the unseen. And and that's when I started to see more and more progress with the communities I worked with. And that led me to, you know, again, kind of going back to this idea of culturally congruent care that we have to, as healers, really do that, which, you know, we are we are asking others to do and use our own tools and Um, keep transforming ourselves, I knew I needed to deepen my spiritual practice, that the spiritual life that I had um, embraced up until this point no longer sufficed. And so um, because I I, I heard and saw this greater call for my understanding of what that hole was (laughs) in, in people and especially traumatized folks. And every realm I went to outside of spiritual direction um, was very scattered and didn't know what to do with um, my spiritual questions and, and spiritual inquiries. And so the, the process of spiritual direction, you know, personally and therefore professionally, because there really is no, no separation for me, helped me work through my own whole helped me work through my own trauma and continues to. It's a it's a safe container to to ask questions and receive guidance and share fears related to being both human and divine.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So the the spiritual director I work with is not Buddhist. I actually find that really helpful. Um because so much of my work as a psychotherapist and um, a cross-cultural psychotherapist is to learn to put things into words and contexts that aren't, are not my own. And so, you know, working with a non, non-Buddhist spiritual director helped me continue to, to see things outside of my own experience and my own lens, while at the same time really affirming my experience and healing the deep wounds that, that I have. Um, and I, I have felt a, a radical shift in how I'm able to sit with others in their darkness and really respectfully share my journey through my darkness with them and move really wisely towards, towards the light, so to say, or towards, towards healing. And integration and reunification with their fuller selves. So as I as I have integrated, am integrating, it's <laughs> a forever process. I feel like I can not only see my shortcomings, but really share my gifts in a deeper way with with my clients. And sometimes that means that I talk in spiritual terms, and sometimes that means that. Um, I find other language and other ways of communicating spiritual things in very kind of more mundane ways.
0: Sunyara Kopriva is a global integrative trauma psychotherapist and founder of Healer's Hive LLC, which specializes in providing culturally congruent trauma care to individuals, communities, and families. They are a gender-varied queer Buddhist yoga teacher, meditation teacher, and clinical social worker with Irish-Dutch-Czech ancestry
1: which is about your uh, current project and still in some ways upcoming project that I know a little bit about Healer's Hive. And I wonder if you could share with our listeners a little bit about that project and what you envision for it and what inspired it.
2: Yeah, I am. Um, so Healer's Hive is um, a very new project for me, uh, that is truly, yeah, still being birthed <laughs> um, daily. And it has already really, it's shifted a lot. You know, I started off with this vision of a health co-op. Um, and I think that that is still where we'll go um, in time. You know, we've, we've all heard of kind of food co-ops and ways of, of communal ownership of um, material goods such as food. Um, but given the, given the capitalism of, of healthcare, um, and the injustices that that has created, um, I wish to, you know, one of my life projects is, is to create a health co-op. And that means that the clients are just as accountable to the business as the practitioners, that there becomes a, an evening out of that, that hierarchy, which can get in the way of real um, transformation
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um, on both ends. And so in a co-op, you know, people would, everybody would buy into the business and, and get um, dividends from the business. So everybody would benefit in a more equitable way. Um, So that's my ultimate vision. And I'm, I'm trying to suss out kind of where that is gonna happen and in what timing and you know what steps um, come first, second, third. And so I started out um, building an LLC. So Healers Hive is currently an LLC. It's a private company. The mission is to provide culturally congruent trauma care for young people in their communities. Mm-hmm. So within that, you know, in the structure and in the the delivering of, of services, I hope to truly reach um, healers as well. I, I hope to reach the teachers and um, parents and um, librarians that interact with young people. We're all we're all touched by young people in some way, and um, and they need us just like we need them. and so i have this this really holistic vision um, and wide vision of what needs to be present to not only make our world a little less traumatizing for our young people but what is actually going to start to reverse the the damage that's been done and is being done and in order to do that you know i i just kind of like like I've expressed in various ways on in this interview, like we're all accountable to that. Um, And I think we all need to get to a new place in our wisdom and vision of what needs to change in order for real healing to take place on a more communal level. Um, And so I want to work with healers. I want to work with, you know, teachers and, um, doctors and other people who work with young people who they themselves are traumatized, traumatized by their individual lives, but also traumatized by the systems that are in place to support young people. Um, the pace of work that teachers and therapists and doctors, et cetera, need to work in is not sustainable and it's really traumatizing. and so we have a system of traumatized people treating traumatized people, and it's it's a broken system. Um, so I'm starting very small, in thinking about what my what my gifts are in response. And you know, every step I take, I then kind of um, you know I go back into meditation and, and keep praying and meditating on you know what's the right next step. Um, and not letting my kind of my ego drive this project. So that's, that's the basics of Healer's Hive. So right now, um, you know, again, I provide individual couples, family, and, um, group counseling. Um, and at the same time kind of behind the the scenes, really building a network with, Mm -hmm. um, different providers, different community organizations, different healers, um, really around the globe that Mm -hmm. are working with young people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in my ultimate vision, this is not my project. This Mm -hmm. is not my vision. Um, And so I constantly keep surrendering to what are other people tuning into, Mm -hmm. right? What what else is wisdom Mm -hmm. asking for? and really working towards that, that long-term goal of um, a health co-op and a health co-op, not just for young people, but for the people that work with young people
1: mm-hmm.
2: and are impacted by young people mm-hmm. so that it can be a really, um, it, the healing can come full circle. Mm-hmm. And we can reach you know, a, a greater, the next stage of evolution Mm-hmm. Um, so really more specifically, you know, in my trauma work, um, I utilize many different trauma processing modalities, um, as well as yoga therapy and, and my mindfulness techniques. And one thing that I've come to, one thing that I've come to see in both working with providers, um, family members of young people and young people themselves is, that the, the field of trauma really teaches us about the stress response and teaches us about the fear response. And as I continue to listen really, really closely to how people are experiencing trauma, I've come to see that the kind of intrinsic reptilian fear response that we have that is, is activated by trauma is overutilized and people are now traumatized by really neutral experiences. They're traumatized by their own thoughts that have nothing to do with trauma. So they can, you know, where in a lot of cognitive behavioral therapies, they, um, you know, they teach people how to challenge their thoughts or challenge their beliefs or, um, you know, kind of, you know, go go take a walk in the park to, um, you know, kind of get that emotional depression unstuck. Um, But really, really deep down what is happening is people are traumatized by their own thoughts there, there, there is fear of what we think. There's fear of, of how we're feeling. And it's almost like an autoimmune response to ourselves. And I see that as a really overutilization of our reptilian fear response. So where we used to get scared um, when there actually is something unsafe happening which is really useful. It's really useful if you're in an abusive situation or um, a war zone or you know, being chased by, by a lion to have that fear response. It is not only not useful when um, you have a test coming up and you're really anxious, it's not useful to have that fear response. It's actually really, really harmful Mm -hmm. because we're believing our fear response in um, contexts that don't require a fear response. And so I think to make a long story short, I really hope that my work with young people and my work with other providers of young people and communities of young people can really hone in on that, on what do we need to be doing day to day to Evolve past this um, really small way of living, right? Like this is this is where the spiritual work comes in, which is if we're not having this small protective fear response, what else is there? We need something else, <laughs> and and so I think to evolve as as a species. Um, and for our planet to evolve and, you know, just, just sentient beings in general. um, We have to continue, we have, we have to hone in um, on what we're afraid of and how, and how we respond to what we're afraid of.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Or else it's going to continue to really block our wisdom and block our greater, our greater potential for, you know, peace and harmony, Mm -hmm.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. you know, we don't have to be traumatized anymore. We don't have to, but we have to, we have to get out of this cage. We've, we've set ourselves in. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And, and understanding what are real triggers and what, uh, yeah, just, just continuing to navigate, like, where is the real, Unsafety, and where is it? Just un- where can I, with my own presence, with my own mind, with my own practices, create that safety for myself? You know.
2: You got it. You got it. And with
1: other people. Yeah. I also feel that it. Um, yeah, and yeah, and like, yeah, just just becoming more and more skillful with what with with learning how to respond to both very real triggers and safety. Um, Safety um, things that might inhibit our safety, um, and then how to how to respond to what is being created in my mind. That's a result of either personal experience or systemic experience or whatever you know.
2: My context. You got is. it. You got it. And I think I think with that, Lizzie, that the the young people of today and. The healers of today are uniquely situated to tune in and embody and transform. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: These are, I believe, really powerful pockets of transformation, and so that's why, you know, Healers Hive really focuses on calling forth these, these two populations because, you um, there's a wisdom and an an intelligence and a capacity that I have not found in other places. Um, you know, and why I want Healers Hive ultimately to become a co-op because I can't talk about imagined and real safety without, (laughs) about, you know, financial liberation and economic liberation for everybody. And, um, this is where psychotherapy stops just being about what is going on in, you know, our mental reality and becomes equally important of what is going on on the spiritual level and, um, in the economic systems of, of the world.
1: Mm -hmm, Certainly. Yeah. It also, it speaks so much as well. I mean, I think the intersections of healers and young people so ripe and potent in so many ways, um, And I'm also hearing just the way for you that that emergence, that your journey of uh, personal, you know, quote unquote personal or individual emergence or your own um, movement Ah. deeper and deeper into yourself and your soul relate so much to them to like emergence on a communal level and what's really being brought forth in the world and like the transformation of systems and I'm seeing in you just such a, a beautiful example of um, how how those how the transformation of the systems that we live and work inside of is so so supported by and not able to be separated from like our own internal emergence and how they, how they co-create each other, really.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So just on a, a, a closing personal note, I'd love to ask where, where is an area of your life or heart or self that you're growing in that feels an edge for you and what helps you? Are there any practices or anything specific that helps you sustain your growth
2: when you are in these moments? Mm. You know, the, my, on, my ongoing trauma recovery um, is, is really present right now. And it impacts um, how I show up for myself, how I show up for my family and my friends and, um, you know, for, for my clients and colleagues. Um, And I'm just really tuning into that. I'm tuning into when my life is just disrupted and um, when there's hurt and wounds and when I'm just going through the kind of natural enlightenment process, um, the level of what what I will call trauma. that happens. Um, and so that's what I'm honing in on now is I, um, you know, can continue to, uh, be open to where my life is going and what it's going to look like. Um, again, being culturally congruent and honing in on how I'm embodying my reality, um, in my truth, kind of moment to moment. Um, and what that means kind of in a bigger way is that I'm, I'm learning to have a lot of (laughs) self-compassion and a lot of self, self self-acceptance because I'm ridiculously hard on myself. And, um, you know, the, the, Learning to, learning to love myself and give to myself and um, be at peace um, is, is really focused on, on just that, on how I communicate with myself and how I show up with myself in terms of kind of daily routines and rituals, um, as well as um, how I'm in intimacy with other people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, you know, on top of my regular meditation practices, um, I've started to include daily self-compassion practices, and um, it's extremely uncomfortable. And that's the Vajrayana way—is to <laughs> really lean into that discomfort. And um, I feel I feel a great tenderness, um, great tenderness developing, and. At the same time, like, more vulnerability and more sensitivity that then, like, leaves me open to being even further traumatized <laughs> by kind of the world that that exists right now. I think the intensity of this process of the spiritual path mm-hmm. and of awakening, it is, it is not for the faint-hearted. And everyone has told me that, and yet to, like, actually experience this is... Um, I don't know why anyone would choose this. And, um, and yet this isn't a choice at all. It's the choiceless choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just continue to seek a lot of compassion and care and nurturing, um, you know, both in terms of like external support in my community and more importantly with myself right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, to self-compassion. Well, thank you so much, Sunyatta, for taking the time to talk with me in this way today. It's such a gift to have you among the New Contemplatives and the greater SDI community, and I look so forward to seeing how Miller's Hive um, grows and just to, to being in community together.
2: Thank you so much, Lizzie. Thank you for your love and support with the New Contemplatives. And, um, this, this all helps ease the, the craziness of the spiritual path. So thank you for, thank you for your questions and your attunement and, um, and for bringing together the new contemplatives. It's already, um, you know, I think we're building a really beautiful container. And um, So thank you. Thank you, SDI.
0: Registrations for SDI Renaissance 2021 are now open. Everyone is welcome to attend and be nourished by this conference. Go to sdicompanions.org for the details and registration options. If you're enjoying this podcast and you wanna help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast, Through your favorite app you could give us a like or even write us a review thank you for listening this is matt whitney with spiritual directors international thanks again for listening your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated if you liked this show and would like us to continue making them please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.